Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sporting events, concerts, theaters, all types of shows. And my favorite thing, Kelly knows all about it. I'm sure he's tired of hearing me talk about it. But my favorite thing is just how quick and easy it is. I mean, you go in there, it's two taps, you're in and out. And next thing you know, you're on your way to a game, a concert. I know Kelly's going to check out Taylor Swift when she comes to Houston, you know, and, and you can go check out any shows, any theater shows, anything you want. They got it all on the Game Time app. Well, now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play Store or App Store. Click on the My Ticket section of the app, create an account. Then under the billing section, redeem code the athletic. Once again, that's the athletic one word for $10 off your first purchase. Don't ask me how to spell the athletic. If you can't do it, I honestly don't think you deserve the tickets. That's free money though, folks. So figure it out. Get a dictionary, the athletic credit is only available to the first thousand people who redeem the code and it expires at the end of the year. December 31st, 2019 is right around the corners. So take advantage of it now. Make moves quickly and score last-minute tickets. Speaking of looking fresh, is that velvet you have? <laughs> Biggie Velvet. Mo Dackel. This guy's amazing. Happy holidays, Houston. It's time for Brody and the Beard on the Athletic Podcast Network. As always, I got my partner, Kelly Eco, who's a beat writer for Houston. He's there all the time. He's around the team. They all talk about how he dresses. He thinks in a positive light, not necessarily the way we feel about it sometimes. I got Sasha Shaw as our producer. She's going to come in with the questions. We asked you guys to hit us with questions, and you guys delivered. Thank you so much for jumping in on that. But before we hit the questions, Kelly, how you doing? Mo, everybody on the team knows that I am that guy. I only get one. I only get it one way, and it's from you. I don't. I don't get the other can, guys. Like you can take a poll. It, you know what? I'm, for my next article, I'm going to do a poll. I'm going to do an anonymous poll of all the all the teams that come into Houston, and they're going to rate my my swag because. But no, I need but here's the thing, respect, Kelly. A little more respect. Respect here's the thing, me. Kelly. Here, here's the problem, Kelly. Here's the problem, right? I may see my jacket you, last you week. Can, I may see that jacket. You, Come on. You conducting you conducting a poll about yourself is not exactly um I don't know how to, the the right word, but I don't know if I trust the results. All right, all right, forget the poll. Just check the Instagram comments. You see it. Uh, not exactly sound research methodology. There we go. I, I, I don't I don't quite trust the methodology there. Go I need to hear it from the guys. Go check, I need to go hear check the comments. It's in there. You see it? You know, I can't wait till we get some of these players on the pod because that's my first question. Forget the basketball. I'm gonna be like, what do you guys really think about how Kelly dresses? Be honest. Um and and, and I think it might we, we they're gonna be nice to you, Kelly, but I think off the record they might they might throw a little at you. I don't know, you're not talking. 
<laughs> oh boy oh boy dude gets an uh somebody makes the eco jacket ecosystem jacket for him and it goes straight to his head that's my, that's, uh, that's my man francis hey if you want i can i, I can get you one let's get you personified. Nah, i'm good man i don't need to, i don't i don't need to Big wear an on, jacket. On, on the sleeve in I'm, I'm all right man i think i'm good uh, but you know, you promised me a Christmas gift, by the way, and you came to LA and didn't even deliver. I did. So. My present was my presence. In the no, present. it wasn't. Trust me. You again, you overvaluing that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Kelly, you ready for the holidays? Yeah, yeah it's been a long year, so let's get yeah, to buddy. it. Twenty twenty is coming up. It has been a long year. Yeah. It's- been a new decade guys we're, we're, we're rolling right into it be sure to check out our old decade episode with craig ackerman a few weeks ago guys if you haven't already that was an awesome one. Oh yeah that was great you can you can pump that you know that's a that's a good one to pump up and, that was and, a good segue. and go, well, yeah and go listen back I, i'm good at this kelly i'm sorry i know I'm some of the houston people some of the fans <laughs> don't feel that way but that's more because of my takes but i'm actually kind of good <laughs> at this um but let's segue right away sasha give us your first question All right. So people are pretty curious right now. Um, I think we're going to get into trades, but I think we should start here. This is a good starting point. Rob McIntyre at Rob McI16 asks, what would you diagnose as the Rockets' biggest weakness at this point? Kelly, what do you think? I think think the biggest... Weakness of this team is their focus because we've seen them get up for the big games throughout the season so far, but they do still tend to play to the competition level. Like we've seen them drop games against the Spurs to the Kings, you know, playing close games with the Pelicans. We've seen them, you know, even against the Suns last night, they won by 15, but the Suns still put up almost 130 points on them. So, their focus, I guess, would be the weakest point. Obviously, you can point to maybe rim protection or their defensive intensity or stuff like that. But I think it's more of a mental aspect, you know, heading into 2020 for their biggest weakness. And and to touch on that, I also think we've seen it in the big games, too. Like, you know, the, the Clipper game, they go down big early, you know, and, and, and have to come back. And we've seen it a few times where they keep kind of going down early and having to make a run in the second half. We we touched on it in the last episode and I think it's just something that that can come back and bite you in the ass. If you're not careful, like that's something that you got to stay on top of and down the road, it's a habit you don't want to build. But I think the other issue for them is consistency. And I mean it in the sense of, we don't know consistently who's going to hit shots for this team besides Harden, besides Russ, you know, getting a lot of shots up. Like, you know, we have too much variance, right? And the the other guys, right? Like Ben McLemore can have a great two games and then be bad for three games and then a, another good game and then, you know, back and forth. And I think maybe that levels off a little bit when Eric Gordon comes back. Uh, but I think that's kind of an issue that that's hard as a coach. Like you want to be able to know that like, hey, if I get PJ five open threes, he's making three of them. Like I can bank that or two of them. You know, and it, it's just been too inconsistent, I think, across the board for the for, on the supporting cast level in terms of like just hitting shots. And I think they need to try to find a way to just get a little bit more consistent there. Uh, and believe me, if I had an answer on how to do it, I'd probably be coaching. Um, but I think that's something that 
the the Rockets kind of got to look for a little bit as the season goes on. Before we go to the next question, do you have any news, Kelly, on when it looks like uh, Gordon might be coming back? Are we getting close? Yeah, we're getting close. Actually, somebody asked that. Yeah. There, um, it's looking really likely that he could feature in any of the games. Well, not probably not Christmas Day. He could fe- he could play on Christmas Day, but if I was gonna bet uh, actual money on it, I would say December thirty first at home against Denver to close out twenty nineteen. I think you could expect Eric Gordon to be in the lineup. He's not gonna start. He's going to come off the bench, but I think he will bring a big boost to the Rockets who have desperately needed his, you know, consistency. You know, when he started this season, it was it was pretty terrible, but that was because we didn't know about, you know, the underlying knee issues. So the consensus is when he comes back healthy, you know, he'll have his legs under him. It might take him a while to get going. But I think over time, you know, his three-point shooting, his playmaking ability, his scoring ability, his defense will bring, you know, a much-needed boost and will help with the with the thing you talk about, the consistency. It will help with the second unit and it will kind of help to stabilize things a bit because they have done a good job of staying above water in his absence. But it's always better to have your best players available all the time. So. I think his return should be probably the best thing they could ask for for Christmas. There you go. Sasha, hit us with your next question. All right. So pretty much the rest of the questions are about trades (laughs) because it is trade season. So firstly, I think this is a good place to start before we get into any specifics. Is there a path? This is asked by Franco at Ftank58. Is there a path to championship that leaves the team as is, or is a trade most likely necessary? I I think there. I mean, part of the path to championship for them is you kind of got to hope the Lakers and Clippers meet in the second round. Maybe just with how the seating might shake up with. Clippers load managing and things like that. You, you maybe you hope that they get a second round matchup, and you only have to take down one of those teams instead of possibly having to take down both LA teams. Um, I think that's kind of a, a path for this team to to win a championship. Unfortunately, that's not really within their control. Um, I don't know about you, Kelly, and, and I know it's trade season and stuff, and Morey's a wizard. But like when I just look at the the roster, I just I have a hard time seeing. Uh, guys, they can move that would bring back an important piece. You yeah. know, I <clears throat> yeah, you know, you no know, to to add on to that, it's kind of the sense I get from them as well, because when you're a team like the Rockets who are in that, you know, I guess championship chase, the problem with adding players, you know, at this time of the season, is you don't want to cut too deep into your core to add somebody because you don't know how they'll gel. You're not sure if it's going to, it might on paper make you better, but in reality, you know, games shape out differently than how you just project them all the time. There are guys out there, like maybe a Robert Covington that in theory would make them better, but what is going to be the Timberwolves asking price? You know, 
um, they know that he's a highly sought-after asset, along with Andre Iguodala. So, two years ago, the asking price might be much different than what it is today. You know, there might he'll probably command you know a first-round pick, if not two. You know, and if if a team like Houston wants to do a deal with the Timberwolves, like straight up, I'm not sure if they have the assets to pull that off. So now it becomes bringing in a third team, maybe a fourth team to to I guess to pile the assets together. But then you get into the question of the other teams: is it helping them? And that's why, right? We, and that and that's why we we always see these kind of deals don't usually happen that often in the NBA because they're very complex. They're very they involve a lot of egos, a lot of factors that are that lie outside of just the players being moved. So I think it's kind of hard to see where they could add something along the uh, the margins, you know, to improve the team. I think the best improvement is a full bill of health and consistency. I think that's to me. Right. And because like, you know, we've touched on it before, they can't trade Eric Gordon because that's the guy you'd probably trade. The hard thing is you don't have the salaries to kind of match a guy like even Covington who makes, you know, 11, 11 million, 11,000 would have been kind of funny. Uh, 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 11 million this year you know you 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 don't have the assets the the salaries you know to really kind of match that to get there um and and again and even then that's not some a package that i think the wolves would want you know and the thing is with eric gordon's not eligible to be traded because he signed the extension and that's going to take him through the trade deadline so that'd be the guy you know the next guy you'd look at you'd go like oh well can they trade clint capella but, you know, you've spoken about it more than anybody. The small ball lineup's been terrible. Like, you can't really afford to go small. Like, Clint's an important piece for the team because of that. To the point that even now, you know, they're not even playing as much small ball as much as they're putting Chandler back in to sub out for Clint in the past few games. So I think we're, they're just in a tough spot where, like, just salaries aren't going to match up. It's going to be hard to piece together a trade. And, you know, I like that you said that, like, you know, put, pulling in a third team or even a four team trade, it's difficult. Like, it's hard enough to just get two teams to make a trade sometimes to to be able to bring in a third team who's going to whatever, just say, I'm going to eat salary as long as I'm getting draft picks or or whatnot. I'm not sure you're going to find that. And that's the challenging thing. And sometimes when you go to the third or fourth team trade, they're like, well, why aren't we getting Covington? We want Covington. You know, and it just becomes more and more complicated. And, and and the bigger the trade gets, the more difficult it gets. And I know everybody's looking, going like, where where is the trade coming from? I just don't see a trade out there that they can really pull together. Now, again, I've said it many times, and I'm going to say it again. Moore is kind of a wizard. So if he can pull something out of nothing, you know, he, he will. But I, I don't know if that's in the cards this year. Yeah, and to add, you know, to that, Salary is, you know, the main reason why all these deals are kind of impossible because, like, there are a plethora of players that they that could help this team. Like, to touch on the small ball, if the small ball sucks right now, they could also they could always bring in another young, athletic big man like a Dwayne Dedman, but he's making thirteen million dollars this year. So, where are you going to get the, you know, the assets to to? Unless you're talking about the luxury tax, and that's a whole nother argument. So I think that there are players out there that could help this team to a great extent, but it's a matter of flexibility. This year, 
the Rockets aren't as flexible as they have been in the past. And part of that is because they 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 mortgage their future to for Russell Westbrook. So you have to take that on the chin and understand that a lot of teams these days aren't just they don't just want a first round pick. You know what I'm saying? Like if if teams are well aware now of what the Rockets are trying to do year in, year out. So it's not a situation of do we just wanna, you know, open the door for you to a championship? You know, if it's not going to really help them on the other end. So that's where it, it, it comes kind of tricky. Whenever you talk trades, it's easy to, to go on ESPN Trade Finder and plug and play. But in reality, those deals take very copious amounts of work and, and very different variables to pull off. And it's not it's not so easy. Now, Daryl Morey is, is a wizard. So he could, as we're speaking, pull something out of his hat right now. You know, but. From our vantage point, it doesn't look, you know, so likely. Yeah, I'd I'd be surprised. And listen, if you're going to come at us with trade machine screenshots of what about this trade or who says no or whatever, the first thing I want you to ask yourself before you do it is why would the other team do it? Because that's the common flaw of all you random trade machine screenshot stuff. It's like this trade's going to work. This is going to get us so and so. But you got to think why would the other team do it? Because they got to say yes to it. So if you're going to send us some stuff, please at least just just put a little bit of thought into that aspect of it so we don't have to kind of come at you on Twitter going like, come on, man. Uh, Sasha. People are actually being very sensible, I think. I think people are very skeptical that the Rockets will be able to do anything. Um, you guys addressed a lot of the trade concerns that people had. Somebody asked, like, would a Covington trade be feasible? Um That is at Awesomest Eric. And you guys kind of talked about that a little bit. I think another thing people are really thinking about is um, MDA. Sean at Dynamic Uno underscore asks, is it inevitable that Mike D'Antoni will not be the coach next season? And uh, David Lee Thomas, I don't even know how to say this, this handle. It's at Hellbent Saint and all the E's are threes. So there's that. Okay. <laughs> um, he says, if Fertitta is not afraid to spend, where is Mike D'Antoni's deserved extension? And I think so. People are basically a little bit curious about, like, what do you think about whether Mike D'Antoni will be around next season? I think it's a I think it's a money thing. I think it's, uh, you know, where does Fertitta think the direction of the organization is going? I think there's a lot of things to it. You know, the the whole idea. I mean, listen. No coach wants to go in to a season with no with only this being the last year of their deal. That's why they all try to negotiate a an extension. You know, we saw George Carl get fired in Denver, um, and and really because he was pushing very hard for an extension because he didn't want to go into that season as a lame duck coach. And I think you know a lot of that has to do with like it it hurts your standing within the with the team and your players. Um, luckily that hasn't seemed to have been the case in Houston. I think the guys are responding to D'Antoni. I think there's an opportunity for him to come back. It's, you know, and, and I think the, the team has to go pretty far into the playoffs. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure if it's finals run all the way, but maybe if they get to the conference finals, that might be enough for Fertitta to, to want to come back. But at that point too, the cards are all in D'Antoni's hands at that point. Cause then it's like, yo, you could have got me cheaper in October, but now you have to pay up in June because look what I delivered. 
you know, so I think there's there's an aspect to it. But I, I, don't, I don't. Well, I th- I think there's a lot there's a lot to it that goes with it, and I think you know I think organizations sometimes try to balk at paying coaches a certain amount, you know, and and you know, I, listen, it's a mistake. I think for the Rockets to let D'Antoni go, I thought it was a mistake that they didn't extend him. I thought it was, I think even now at this point, like you should still try to find a way, see if you can get an extension done with him. But I think the, the, I don't know if there's another guy you could bring in that's going to that I'm going to look at going like, yeah, he's an upgrade over D'Antoni. I mean, for the style and the system that he's developed, that's built around Harden and, and now incorporating Russ to kind of add a little more pace. I don't know if you have a better coach out there that could replace him. But it's almost hubris to think that, you know, that you can. And I think that's kind of a risk they're taking. And, you know, there is a little bit of disrespect for that, you know, that I'm sure that he felt that Warren Legary felt his his agent, you know, about how the negotiations went. So the price is definitely going to go up in June, like their expectations are going to be higher. So it's going to be tough, I think, for them to come to an agreement. I think it's really comes down more to that than than anything else. I think part of, you know, my skepticism comes from, I think I saw something, it might have been Woj, that said this era, this current era of Rockets basketball would be something, it was some kind of ominous sentence. I forgot how you phrased it. But if they get to the conference finals and they lose, Fertitta has already seen that before. So... I, I'm not. I'm not sure why he would, why that would get him to to pay up if they don't get to the finals because he's he's seen them leave in the second round and he's seen them leave in the conference finals. Right, so, but I think that's an appreciate. I think that's something that he has to understand that that's not a given. Being the final four team standing is is still something to be proud of like it's hard yeah, to get there and, and you're talking you know about what somewhere and they lost to they, i mean they lost to the event eventual champions uh to the the warriors and the when they got when they lost in the conference finals last year they lost to the team that was favorite you know they had an injury i mean we can go into we can rehash that whole second round if if we want to hurt everybody's feelings but it's the holidays i don't think we want to <laughs> open up those wounds again but like, you know, it's there's no shame in losing to the Warriors, you know, in, in that sense. Like that was the most dominant team for the past five years. That's like being upset of uh, losing to the Bulls, you know, in the nineties when they had Jordan. Like it's 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 one of those things where it's, you, you kind of have to have that sort of ment- understanding. And you said it uh just two seconds ago, you know, he is a new owner, so it is a little bit tough in that expectations department. But I mean, really like who I mean, is there a guy out there you feel that? No, you, you... there's. The, I, I don't think there is another guy, which is why I don't understand why they haven't gotten this done. Because this is someone who the players respond to a great deal. This is a this is a coach who's brought out the best in a lot of players. We've seen him, you know, kind of recharge Gerald Green's career. We've seen him kind of recharge Ben McLemore's career. We've seen him kind of to for a short stint, but Kenneth Faree's career. We've seen other players come in. You know, I mean, he's got their way of playing. He's gotten the best out of James Harden than any coach James, I've ever seen. Exactly. He, he, he's the, 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 the harmonization of Harden and D'Antoni has been arguably the greatest offensive synchronization in NBA history between the, a coach and a player. So it's like, why 
are you playing this risky game of tug of war, you know, over some, I don't know. It, 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 it's kind of confusing to me, but I also understand like when you look at Tillman Fertitta, he is a ruthless businessman. He's been very successful over his tenure as a businessman. And you don't get that far by not being a strict negotiator, you know, by you wanted to have the lion's share of leverage. And when you look at it from that lens, it, you, it, you understand why, you know, they don't want to do deals or they don't let deals drag out during the season. You know, they would rather address it over the summer. But I don't know. I just have this sick feeling that, you know, the Rockets are going to lose any a game seven in the conference finals and then you see Mike D'Antoni is stepping down or, or the Rockets felt I just see it coming now. Yeah, I mean it's it's I'm with you. I can feel it coming. I think something that and 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 again because he's a new owner, negotiating business deals are very different than negotiating NBA contracts. Coaches, players across the board, you know, and it's and I think there's that disconnect. I think if you just think the way I approach my business life is how I'm going to approach this, this running this team. Um, there, there's some things that correlate, and there's some things that don't. And I think that's kind of a, a risky proposition for, uh, for Tita. And that's something that it, it might cost him, and it may, it might hurt him down the road. It might cost this team for a few years before he figures it out. Um, so Sasha, what do you got? Okay, so the last thing, this is from Sean at Dynamic Uno underscore again. He asked like three questions in one, and we're getting to all of them because they're actually good questions. Do you think the Rockets should feature Harden in the mid post to make facing double teams a little easier? Different kind of question, and we're moving away from the heartbreak here. No, I don't. Yeah, no. That's not uh, his game. That's just not his game. <laughs> I think I, I wrote about it a little bit, but I think... I do think the ball should be in Russ's hands a bit more. Um, I think when you make Harden, and they've been talking about this for years, you know, when Chris Paul was there, you know, kind of, it, it can make his job a bit easier, you know, playing off the ball a bit more. Uh, we've seen them run a couple of things, not, not, not that much, but he has done some cutting, you know, some, some running off of double drags, getting catch and shoot situations. And he's looked pretty good in those. So I, I think Russ would, would obviously like to have the ball in his hands a bit more. I mean, it's just natural for a ball player to to want to be able to help a team. But I think it does it does them both some good to take less pressure off of Harden and put more responsibility on Russ. I think we're seeing now the last couple of games, them getting into that groove of, you know, it doesn't have to be just Harden, 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 just trying to save the team every time. When you do have an All NBA and former MVP, you know, in the backcourt with you, so I don't think putting him in the post would help with that. But I do think that giving Russ the ball at the top of the key and letting him orchestrate would uh, do some good. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. And and to take it a step further, I'd like to see them do that and put Harden in some pin down actions or have Harden kind of move a little bit in that instance to kind of work off screens and 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 whether it's capella or, or tucker setting the setting the screens to help you know free up hard and i think that might be something that you can you can play with a little bit more i mean you know the thing is like 
I love D'Antoni as a coach. Like the stuff he ran in in, in Phoenix, to be honest, guys, is, is really revolutionary to a degree. It's not like it was brand new stuff, but the way he did things and the pace they did it with, I kind of would like to see a little bit more of that twenty-one pistol action in the early offense. You know, kind of see like to see a little bit more movement. You know, when Harden's on the court, and it kind of helps to alleviate the whole burden of Harden to feel like he has to create every time he's on the court. Let Russ create for him a little bit as well. And I think that's something that I think, we, you know, the, the Rockets should experiment more with. Yeah, I think they run that, that kind of pistol 21 stuff. Maybe one every five plays, one every six plays, I guess. It's not that often, but they do do it. But I would like to see more of it. It, it looks It looks nice on the court. It looks good aesthetically and it it makes kind of things easier because now the defense has to account for they have to account for clint they have to account for russ they have to account for james they have to account for a tuck and house in the corner or ben so the more movement you know you can incorporate it in a, in a, in a game the better especially come playoff time you know because what after you have a team you have a team's all their games on film you're going to see a team for maybe a 10-day to two-week period, right? You're going to obviously key in on how to stop one part of the team. So we're seeing now teams try and limit James Harden's impact on games. Uh, we've seen the Clippers try and take him out of the games emotionally, mentally, physically. And that puts an onus on the other guys to step up. Now, w- when you have strictly isolation basketball, you know, it can make things kind of tricky if you know, they're taking out the game because now you're you're relying on guys hitting open shots, you know, time and time and time again. But when you do do, you know, ball movement, pin downs, drags, you know, screen actions, it keeps things humming. It keeps guys on their toes and it can bring about more efficient offense. So that's, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, and I think it's the most important thing, especially come playoff time, is having variety in your offense. Having a predictable offense going into the playoffs is really kind of like a recipe for disaster because that means you have to be perfect. You know, when everybody knows where everything is going to go, almost every possession, that just makes it harder uh, on the offense to to constantly have to deliver because you have more time to game plan against it and, and everything like that in the playoffs. So I think now's a good time to experiment a little bit, get a little more variety and see what, see what the Rockets can do and, and, and get a little bit creative. So I think that's uh, where we're at guys. That's uh, I think that's it. I, anything you want to add, Kelly, Sasha, anything you guys want to touch on? Uh-huh. Yeah. Have y'all, are y'all on the naughty or nice list this year? I'm so. on the nice list for sure. Oh no, I'm not like for sure. No, I'm bad. No, I'm not getting anything. I'm definitely not on the nice list. It was very nice. What about you? It. What about you, Kelly? I'm in the middle. <laughs> you okay. playing on the edge? You playing on the edge? You just kind of like, oh, one day I'll be good, one day I'll be bad? Hey, man. It's up Bit to Santa Claus, ultimately. Oh, man, dude. You're you going to get yourself a lump of coal. <laughs> but I hope you listeners, thank you for the questions. Thank you for everything you guys gave us. From us, you're on the nice list. All of you that didn't ask questions, you're on the naughty. We'll see y'all in 2020. The next time you hear it. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's true. Are we not doing a podcast next week? We are, but maybe it's not 
Oh, it could be. It oh, could. It could be oops. either way. We're not sure. Yeah, I mean, we're figuring that out, folks. Disregard. We'll disregard. We're figuring it out. If you don't, we'll catch you in 2020 in the new decade. More importantly, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas. That's from me. That's from Kelly. That's from Sasha. And if we don't get back to you in time, happy New Year. And we out. <laughs>